Chef Boyardee is Poe's mentor. <laughs> At that point, it was always going to be Leia. Could have been Baby Yoda. <laughs> wow, what a huge oversight. There's just a hole in the Death Star. Like, what the heck? You know, just like board that up or something, you know? Then jumped onto Wikipedia and was like, oh, there it is. I refused to get on the Wook, um, as, as Jared lovingly refers to it. You're listening to the Star Wars Archives, a Utini.com Patreon-exclusive podcast. Your regular deep dive down the rabbit hole of the Star Wars universe. Discussion, analysis, Easter eggs, and obscure books you've never heard of. And now, here are your hosts, Jose and Trevor. Hello there, you have tuned into episode 60 of the Star Wars Archives, the Utini Network podcast where we take a random Star Wars topic and explain the living band that put out of it. I am Jose, aka Joxy in this universe, and with me today, wearing nothing but a robe to show off his abs, is Trev. Uh, yes, I am just wearing a robe. No, I do not have abs. So I'm just going to leave you with that mental image. <laughs> Imagine Jabba the Hutt in a kimono. <laughs> uh, I'm Trev, keeper of a timeline page over utini.com. I've spent my entire life consuming Star Wars media, and I've read over a thousand Star Wars books and comics. Um, so, today we have another special guest on the show. Uh, not an author of bygone Star Wars books that no one remembers anymore, but maybe another one member of the... <laughs> maybe one day, <laughs> next time. Um, another member of the Utini team who was making his uh, Star Wars Archives debut. It's Jacob. So, Jacob, tell us who you are, what you do, um, how you got into Star Wars, how you got into (laughs) Utini. The whole shebang in 90 seconds or less, if you could. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot for 90 seconds. So, Are we timing it? Uh, The the time's alive, as long as you need. All right, yeah. So, I'm Jacob. I have been with Utini since, I want to say, like, early 2020, maybe, 2021. The years have been blended together. I think you joined about six to nine months after me I yeah think, so maybe? it's everything blends together now but no i came on and have been helping with mostly comics stuff so i was helping with the cosmic force for a while uh i also you know i do a little bit of everything behind the scenes making sure trev and the release schedule team stay up to date with everything and helping where i can with timeline stuff but oh yeah most importantly i do get <laughs> lots of messages from yeah, Jacob going like i've just read this comic i think it happens here right especially high republic phase two which we all know i haven't read yet i've got Fantastic. a mountain of jacob notes yes. ready for that to go yeah so yeah do a little bit of whatever i can as far as getting into star wars i'm one of those people that you know, it's always been in my life, and I can't really remember when I wasn't around it. Uh, I was I, I was a 90s kid, so I grew up with the prequels. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's always kind of been a part of my life. I got into the books when I was, you know, probably like seven or eight, and uh, now I'm here. So. so, Trev, if you're getting messages about the timeline from Jacob, have there been any times where the two of you have just been, like, in disagreement about when something happens, and you have to just, like battle it out a little bit <laughs> I, I mean disagreements are a harsh term um and the thing about timeline is it can be so vague sometimes yeah. like we were having a conversation about the yoda comics mm-hmm. and about when they happen and jake was like well i think they happen um you know they're definitely between phase one and two but i think they lean more towards this from that and i'm like i've put them slap bang in the middle <laughs> because it's so hard to know sometimes yeah sometimes you just have to make a logical call, oh, you have to go with head over heart. 
So if there's no specific, if there's nothing specific enough, then slap bang in the middle is sometimes the best option. <laughs> because you're yeah. going to be closer to the right answer than as, I guess, as you can be. I guess while we're here, I should mention episode, the third issue of Yoda does jump like 30 years in the timeline. Oh, <laughs> God, damn, son of a bitch. <laughs> it's like the first two issues, like Yoda's hanging out with a kid, and then Yoda comes back and he's like a full-grown adult. So... Oh, <laughs> these books. These books, man. But okay. hey, um, issue four is on to a new timeline, so it's fine. What? It's it's all one anthology. Thing, one thing I do I do want to mention. Um, has anyone seen the big uh, Charles Soule uh, continuity error that's been all over Twitter? Oh, the, the Death Star thing? So there's a thing that in the Star Wars run, the Charles Soule's current Star Wars run, uh-huh. It's Luke that finds out about the existence of the second Death Star. Yeah. But the actual opening crawl to Return of a Jedi literally states that Luke knew nothing about it. Oh. It, it says something like, little did Luke know that the Empire's constructed a second Death Star. <laughs> wow. Oh, dear. Oh, wow. And there's the whole thing about the blade of Badotta, wherever he's from. His age is all messed up in the comics as well. Wow. I mean, so no a whole paying, thing going someone's, on. someone isn't paying as close attention. Someone's not paying things. me or Jacob to watch this <laughs> stuff is what they're saying. Right. All right. Well, okay. Let's, uh, I think we need to, you know, I just, I just kind of have to apologize now because it's like, I, you know, I've, I've noticed that I've been kind of like just dropping the ball lately, Trev, and I'm sorry to you. I know. I know. I'm, so, I'm sorry to our listeners. It's not going to notice. I don't know how many listeners we have, but however many there are, I'm sorry, guys, because like, you know, I've been trying, and you know, it just happened right now, right? Like, I'm just, I'm trying to keep this. I was, I was trying to keep this podcast organized by having like clear segments and announcements of like when each one of these segments was starting, when they were ending, and you know, I really haven't been good at sticking to it. So I just, I need to do better with this. So you know, that was, um, you know, that's my apology segment. And, um, you know, which was preceded by the intro segment. Um, and it was a double intro segment because it was like my n- normal introductions, like, and, and Trev. And then we had the, in- the like, kind of like a sub segment where we introduced a new person into this. So, Jacob, that was like a little, you had your own segment right there. Um, so, you know, and this is now the segment where I'm going to talk about what we're going to be talking about today in this episode. So, you know, I'm going to, like, I'm going to do better now in this, right, at least on this episode, um, in keeping us more in track with our segments. And that way, you know, we have something that, we can like follow and a proper structure because when we don't, you know, we don't have show notes, it's hard to know what to say and do. So that's what I'm going to do, Trev. Um, as uh, you know, cause that's what, that's what makes a good podcast, like clear segments. So, and keeps it entertaining. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what I've learned after 59 episodes of this thing. Now on episode 60 is that, the most successful ones are when we have clear segments. So it's um, all about the segments. Can I just say, as someone who can see Jose's background and the really, really untidy bookshelf behind him, it's tidy. I'm, it's it's not. You've got books on the side on the yes. same shelf as books stood up. It's yeah, fine. They alternate. If if you took this alternate organization yes. seriously, you would apply See, that to your home life as well. That's all I'm saying. Over here, and these are horizontal here, and then these are vertical, and these are horizontal, and these no. are vertical, and these are horizontal. That is a crime, <laughs> an actual crime. 
No, and then they're organized by topic. This is my architecture and design bookshelf. That's fine, but at least put them all up the one. same way. They don't all fit. <laughs> so I have to. I mean, go, that sounds like a you problem. I have to stack. Also, don't it's inflict your more interesting because horrible bookshelves on me. Like have all the different heights. So <laughs> anyway, this... that was the I shout at Jose for his bookshelf segment. So <laughs> these are all being time stamped, of course, right in the episode. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, yes, they should be. <laughs> On this so episode, now, friends, <laughs> yes. we are here to talk about Heir to the Empire and its subsequent sequels, aka the Throne Trilogy or the Legends Throne Trilogy or the Real Throne Trilogy, however you want to call the it. The Original Throne Trilogy, uh, I think is their preferred <laughs> title. Um, and, you know, to quote Dave Filoni... You know, you couldn't have grown up a Star Wars fan without an encountering Thrawn in Heir to the Empire. It was a dark time when there weren't any more movies, and it blew our minds that there could be more. So, yes, we're here to, to see, to put it to the test, and see if these books really blow our minds or not, because I had never read them until last year. And Jacob here, the reason why he's here, is because he just read them over the last couple of weeks. So, that can it still blow our minds or not? In a time where we are, we have plenty of Star Wars to consume. What so blows that's... my mind is that there's Star Wars fans who are only in, Star Wars fans who've been fans for years who are only <laughs> now reading these books. You know, well, to... that's a bit that blows my mind. <laughs> to be fair, I my first Star Wars book that I ever read was in like 2019 or 2018. Um, I started with Star Wars comics in like 2015 or 16. So I hadn't read any Star Wars until the last eight years. Okay, so my first question to you both. Had it been a conscious decision not to read these books because they were old or because they were legends or whatever? Or were they not on your radar? Or is it just something you never got round to? Jacob, what? So my journey to these books is very, very bizarre uh, that I think is probably unique amongst most fans where I started reading Star Wars books when I, probably like 2006-ish. Um, one of my first, my first adult book uh, was Outbound Flight. I read Outbound Flight, like... <laughs> so another Timothy's Hunt Yes, book. with Ron on the cover. Uh, I read... And Seboth. Yeah, I read Thrawn, or on the back cover. But I read Outbound Flight as like my first adult Star Wars novel back then because... We didn't like. I didn't have bookstores where I grew up, so your book selection was limited to whatever they had at Walmart, and it was just, hey, it's Star Wars. I like Star Wars. I read that. Basically, didn't touch Thrawn in Legends at all. Read the canon novels, or you know, first the first three canon books in like 2020, and then the Ascendancy books as they came out. Uh, in, oh, and then also watched Rebels after I read the first three books, which makes no sense. Uh, and then I finally, finally, finally got around to Air of the Empire. It was like one of those things where it's just perpetually been on my to-be-read uh, list. I had read like a decent amount of Legends growing up, but since I started getting back into Star Wars the past couple years with the literature, it just, Legends has kind of been on the back burner for me. So mm-hmm. that's that's how I uh, took, you know, I also wasn't alive when and these did books you get came to out. A, so. did, did you get to a point where you thought, Oh, I've got some space. I've, I've got nothing on my schedule. Now I'm gonna dive in. So into it. what actually started it was I. I'm very. I'm a very streaky reader. I'll read like five books in like a month and then not read any for like two months. Uh, and I was visiting my partner 
and she's I got she's into Star Wars books now as well, and she has a bunch that I loaned her, and I had run out of books while I was visiting, and I'm like, well, I guess it's time because she had borrowed Heir to the, <laughs> she had borrowed Heir to the Empire. I'm like, well, it's here, so might as well. <laughs> and what about you, Jose? What what made you finally decide to to go through these books? Well. Apart from shame and guilt. <laughs> no, I mean, for me... So, yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I didn't really get into books until a lot more recently. Um, the You know, I, I think... I've also just said, you know, it wasn't until, like, Star Wars came back with, uh, you know, Force Awakens that I was like, oh, wait. I remember when I was a kid, I liked these things. Um, and then I, I'm like, so then, I, you know, I... The, as the movies were coming out, I'm like, I want more Star Wars content. And then eventually I got into Rebels. So I was introduced to Thrawn through Rebels. And then after I finished um, Rebels, then um, I think I think that's when, yeah, when Mandalorian came out. Uh, I mean, I was reading comic books at that point already, but um, kind of like just uh, watch Rebels, then The Mandalorian. Then I was out of like Star Wars things to watch. And then I... Um, like I guess I should yeah, try. Yeah, so you basically never started. You didn't start reading Star Wars books until Rise of Skywalker came out. To put that into some weird context, you might have been a little bit before or after, but the same I, year. I had had I had bought um, Bloodlines. Is it Bloodlines or Bloodline? But Bloodline, Bloodline is the canon one. Bloodline. I have I had bought Bloodline, and I had um, the Rogue One book, uh, Catalyst. Yeah. Um, so I had those two. I just, cause I was like, I wanted to read more about what was happening there. Um, like during those, you know, as those, as those movies were coming out and I'm like, Oh, these are books. I didn't even know that there were like books. So I was kind of like, kind of, I was buying them and I wasn't reading them yet. But then when I ran out of content to watch then I'm like, Oh wait, I have these books. I should get into them. And then that's also when I just, uh, started on like Utina. I just, thought i mean there were just so many books once i found out that there were books that it just felt really daunting so it's, it's so weird but you know rise of skywalk comes out as a casual fan someone just didn't run away like i wanted to quit star wars when that <laughs> movie came out no i so mean as a I, casual fan yeah but then i mean so so yeah so thrawn at some point after joining utini then i'm like I basically just read books as they could become available in the from the library, and I, yeah. I, I mean, you know that I do mostly just audiobooks. So I just sort of like sign up for a whole bunch of them, and then whenever they become available, I read them. Um, and because I was reading things very much in the Disney era, I just have prioritized anything that is canon because it to me is always more yeah. about like the additional content that then I can sort sort of fit in to make my the story a lot more expanded. So I well, yeah, I suppose you don't have those um, those touchstone markers right. with those older books. Right. So it's only been every now and then where I'm like, you know what, maybe like let me just go into the Legends books to see what they're about. Every now and then I'll read one just because I'm out of canon books and then one of those is available and then I'll go into the Legends. But once I finish Ascendancy, I'm like, well, I have now read all the sort of like canon or consumed all the canon Thrawn stuff. I've heard that Legends Thrawn is different. Let me check it out. <laughs> and then that's when I started then the Legends Thrawn uh, read-through. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's definitely very different, but it's like, yeah, we, you have the Rebels version, then you have the books version. 
And I'll say, before we get into Heir to the Empire and its sequels, I will say that the canon Thrawn novel is still one of my top five Star Wars books that I've read. So I, Thrawn is someone that I very much like. I'm, you know, being an architect and, you know, really myself and really like, you know, I like art and design and all that. Then Thrawn's sort of like, you know, appreciation of art. It's like, I very much like that too. So he's been yes, always a character that I find interesting. Have you ever deduced your enemy's weakness by looking at a building? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's like architecture 101. That's what man. you do. Like, <laughs> obviously. I see this well, man no, I mean, relies I... way too much on cantilevered <laughs> structure. So obviously he is very invested and goes all in and puts his all, all his eggs in one basket. Look, I, I think that there's there's definitely a, a certain amount of ego to any architect because it's sort of like you see what's around you. You say, you know what? I can do this better. I can house people better. I can, you know, like I'm going to be able to control and manipulate how people live their lives by making, putting a building in here. I'm moving this over there. Like there's something built into what you do. So, oh shit. Is that how architects think? That's terrifying. Yes. yes. <laughs> we think of you people as things that we can herd like sheep so, <laughs> and control. No, um, but, well, that's a good term. <laughs> Um, no, it's just something that's, yeah, Throne anyways has always been a character that's been interesting to me. And of course, now that it's coming, hopefully, um, out in, in this, uh, in the season of Ahsoka, or maybe we get a little glimpse, you know, I don't know, maybe a little teaser in season three of Mandalorian, who knows, but it's, I think it's a good time to, to be more aware of Throne and who he is. And I think going back into, you know, the, where it all started makes a lot of sense too. So I think that yeah i think this episode is very timely like recorded <laughs> okay so um let's let's set the stage for air to the empire man and then we can start getting your guys thoughts on well books and hold stuff. on trev so, that's you yes. know you kind of skipped a segment so <laughs> oh, oh, i'm because sorry because you, you got you got into this segment about asking us about like our experience with air to the I, empire i did miss a segment it's because i closed the show notes sorry <laughs> So can you get to the segment that you need to, you know, where it starts before we get into it? Okay, so... you already got into sorry, it. Yes. So after bef- <laughs> we got into it, but before we get into the rest of it, this is the housekeeping segment. So go. this show is possible thanks to all the people supporting us, either through our Patreon subscriptions or getting some of our merch. If you'd like to help us out as well, you can get our Star Wars-inspired merch on utini.com slash merch and also go to patreon.com utini. And when you become a member, not only will you get access to all of our episodes in advance, you'll also get a bunch of other Utini member exclusives. Hashtag end segment. There you go. Thank you. Now we can get into the segment, the actual main, like, the meat of the episode <laughs> segment. So, okay. go ahead, Trev. So, so where are we? So we are five years after Return of the Jedi. New Republic is in control. All of a sudden, this new chess commander comes out of nowhere. Grand Admiral Thrawn working with uh, Captain Pelion. And his Nogri bodyguard, as well as a mad Jedi Rook. master called Juris Seboth, which is, I still can't Sebaoth. look at that and pronounce it the same way. But the, the tooth, I can't reconcile the spelling versus the pronunciation of that word. I just can't <laughs> do it. Um, in fact, I didn't know how to pronounce it ever until I heard Jared say it on Legends Look Back. So I've spent 20, 30 years saying 
Cibaoa, Cibaoa. But anyway, Cibaoa. I was a, a Cabouth kind of guy myself. Cabouth. <laughs> I, I like it. Yes, I like that. I like that. <laughs> um. So, so this is where this is where we're at. So, firstly, how did you guys feel about the setting? Did it feel like the Star Wars you were familiar with? How did it? Because obviously, for many people, this was a reintroduction into that universe. Did it feel familiar? Did it feel different to what you're used to? Uh, I think, yeah. So, in a, like another, I guess another quick thing from my Legends background is I did not read most the the only stories I read post Return of the Jedi was um, Legacy of the Force, which is very confusing for someone who has not read anything else. Oh yes. Um, but it's so very I, confusing for people who did read it all. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I mean, it was a little different. Like some very confusing decisions made. Right. Definitely, most of the characters felt pretty similar to their movie interpretations. I will say it's interesting having read princess and the scoundrel in the past year and seeing leia's relationship with how like vader being her father versus it in this mm-hmm. one where this yeah. one she's like you know kind of she's still she's uh, this one she's kind of rolling with it a little bit more than like princess princess and the scoundrel where she's uh like i mean literally screaming on the forest of endor about how she does dislikes him and like does not accept yeah. him which is very fair uh, he did torture her, but um, yes, yeah, but yeah. I think like overall, it still feels pretty at home with what you know what I was used to, and especially you know someone who read this book in what ninety three or whatever. What about you, Jose? How do you feel about? Um, let's talk about Luke. How do you feel about where Luke is? Because it's pretty much the same point as Mandalorian in the canon yeah. timeline. It's no, I mean, it's... how did how did he come across? I think the to me the characterization of the of the the way that he characterized like our you know Luke and and everyone else it seemed pretty like it was accurate to me like I think he was able to capture the voice correctly for most of those characters um I think even just I mean talking about the setting itself I think it did start it it wasn't a I think it was done in a very Star Warsy way where like you're kind of like thrown in the middle of the action right and then it's like you know there's this other guy that we just that we all missed for three movies and now there's he was still doing stuff somewhere and he's still thinking that the war is happening you know so um like yeah again just kind of like being thrown in expecting us to just learn about this person Thrawn without getting any background on him and so to me that felt very Star Warsy. So no, I, I mean from what I can remember from last year, I think Luke felt about right. I think the Luke from again, again, just from what I can remember, I feel like he seemed pretty similar to the Luke that we do see in The Mandalorian, where he feel he's very Zen, you know, like he's kind of like calm, and I'm like, yeah, I'm one with the Force, like that kind of like ease that he has to it which is obviously very different than the one that we meet in the last jedi so i am definitely curious to see or to learn more about how he does progress from like in canon from what we're seeing in the mandalorian to who we see in the last jedi and i think that you're because of what we're seeing here in heir to the uh, empire still feels like yeah like that kind of like good luke and very zen luke and like i don't know but yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I think it was accurate. I will say that the opening of this book still has one of my favorite all-time Star Wars book scenes, which is Obi-Wan saying goodbye to Luke. Mm-hmm. Mm. When he's basically saying, you know, I I can't help you anymore. I've got to, I, I, I can't keep both feet in, or one foot in either world, both worlds. 
I have to go along now and pass him a torch. Um, and as someone, again, as these books came out, that's a that's a big yeah. scene. You yeah. know, that's a massive story point. So, um, so back then, yeah. or has that changed at all? The fact that if you're a force ghost, there's a time where you can you have to choose if you want to. Remain oh, there a were never ghost. any rules about. Force yeah. No, I know, I know, but I mean, I mean it's, it's never been a thing. That it's, intro got is so much plot armor. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but that intro is basically just saying that, right? That you kind of like he yeah, was Timothy's using... arm making up. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like that though. I, think, I like yeah, that no, idea absolutely. that that you don't just become a force ghost. Like it takes it takes whatever, some strength. Yeah, it has taken whatever left, you know, whatever force he has left in him to disintegrate and then remain as particles or midi chlorians floating around. And then he's like, I you mean, know that, what? I'm I'm done. That scene was actually um expanded upon in one of Ryder Wyndham's uh, young adult books, The Life and Legend of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which told his yeah. entire life, but with loads of new scenes. And it really expanded upon that scene, but told it from Obi-Wan's point of view. Yeah. So it was a lot more mystical. It was from, you know, the yeah. side of the Force Ghost and the reasons yeah. why he couldn't stay. Interesting. Um, yeah. But I mean, and then it, would, it wasn't then until, to me, when it's very much broken, that idea then would be. And when they re-released uh, the original trilogy, and they add uh, Hayden Christensen to <laughs> to the end of Return of the Jedi, because then it's like, okay, so they they just stick around. <laughs> well, so, uh, yeah, uh, it takes it one step further, I guess. Again, opposed to this book, in you know, when you see Yoda in the Last Jedi, then it's like Yoda's been able to be a force mm-hmm. ghost for you know what 20 yeah. 30 years at this point. So yeah. it's you know, I, I think it makes sense to like have Obi Wan go away. Maybe it's relative to the age when you die so Obi-Wan was what 60 yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Yoda was 900 <laughs> yeah I think it makes and, sense know, for Hayden these characters to go away Hayden Christensen like... technically had just only died yeah, in Return yeah, of the yeah. Jedi so he was okay right so uh, so let's talk about um, let's talk about the Nogri mm-hmm. considering we saw those in Rebels yes um, and, and a very very different depiction of Rook have the Nogri in, in been around before this? No, the Nogris. Remember, there was nothing before this, as there far were as comic books. books. Yeah, only the Marvel. <laughs> yeah. this, this is no, as, as far as um, as far as legends go, this was a completely blank slate. Timothy's arm was given the West End game stuff. That's uh, it. I was gonna say they're so, not completely blank. He had no. he was he was told to to use some of your favorite books, Trev. But um, there, there were no <laughs> stories. As far okay. as he was concerned, this was the first new Star Wars story since Return of the Jedi. So, so he everything came up was with he he had he had access Nogri. to like planets and ships and stuff like that. Okay. Everything else was him. Okay. Uh, because originally he wanted the Nogri to be Sith. Uh, actual because um, because the Sith are a species Lady as Vader. well as a religious uh, a religion. He wanted Venogri to be the original Sith species, but he was overruled, so oh. he changed it to Nogri. Okay. But then, I... what you see in Rebels is very different to what we see in Air to the Empire. I mean, we don't get to really spend a lot of time with the Nogri species in Rebels. No, but we get Rook. We, we, we get Rook. A, we get a little, a little bit of him in Thrawn Alliances as well. Yes. 
But I mean, from what I rem- I mean, again, also it's also been a couple of years now right. since I've watched Rebels. But I mean, I, I liked Rook in Rebels, um, and I was definitely curious to see like how he came to work with the Empire or work with with Thrawn. And I mean, are there really like that many differences? Like, because in my head, I can definitely make it work. <laughs> with like their religion or what or you know the whether they were in in heir to the empire I, and how they were depicted I, I saw it as more of a it felt like they'd removed the the fact that they were an enslaved species in rebels oh true mm-hmm. true what about you jacob yeah i think th- i think that more or less tracks i mean definitely the character i don't think this is a whole other conversation of like the characterization of legends versus canon thrawn i don't know if thrawn in the current timeline would be the kind of person to you know falsely like more or less imprison an entire planet of people um yeah so but true I mean, technically he oh, yeah. didn't he did but he did take advantage of that them. yeah, yeah. he knew gifted them to him <laughs> yeah i mean i think thrawn and and this trilogy is a lot more twirling mustache like villain. <laughs> yeah. I think that the one that we get now uh, that we ha- are getting in canon is like he's a really intelligent and, and, and much more nuanced character that is sometimes he's just like, well, he's not. I don't think he even believes in whatever the Empire is doing, right? Like in in the in canon, he's just doing it because it's something that he might need or he could use for the Chiss. So, like, to me, he's playing, like, five-dimensional chess in canon, whereas in this trilogy, and I think that's why I don't find it as interesting, his characterization in here, is just because, to me, in here, he's just, like, he's just a bad guy, and he's just following whatever, uh, you know, Palpatine had started, and, you know, he has his own way of maybe, like, doing things, and he's still smart and everything, and he likes art, but he's not the kind of, like, you know... He's he's not playing that really complex game of that he seems to be playing in the like canon Thrawn books. I will say something I didn't expect from the Legends Thrawn trilogy is I mean he's still like very conniving and tactical and like makes and very incredible predictions, but he also just there are a few times where he gets things wrong. Like yeah. in, in canon, like you know he is almost right every single time. There's the whole you know Ezra Pergil thing, but that's less a misread and more of something he didn't see coming where in like the legends thrawn trilogy there's a few times where he's like yeah i think the rebels are doing this and it's just not correct so mm-hmm. i thought it was interesting like he you know still seems like an incredible force to be reckoned with but he isn't perfect at the same time yeah now, that, now that's interesting do you think that's to ensure that you know the heroes are the heroes who can outfox the antagonist versus canon where Thrawn is the protagonist and the hero of the story I mean in Rebels he's not the hero or protagonist but he's not he's also a little bit different there than in the books Mm -hmm. yeah but I think I always just assume that the one in Rebels is just like he's because it's still it's a cartoon show and you know I think at least more aimed towards children I think than the books themselves then he's He's a little more straightforward, like villain in there too. He's not someone that you necessarily are rooting for at all mm-hmm. in Rebels. I mean, I, I can tell you in Legends' overarching plot, 
that Thrawn's motivation has always been to protect the Ascendancy. And him joining the Empire was because he felt that the Empire, the strength of the Empire was the best way to protect the Ascendancy from... In Legends. Well, in Legends. That from was... whatever threats come beyond the Empire, mostly the Yuuzhan Vong, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was that, you know, as a strong Empire stands a yeah. better chance of standing between the Ascendancy and whatever lay beyond. But that's also what he's doing in canon in the books. Yes. Like... But that's not necessarily in these books. No, okay. Which is what you were saying. Yeah. So even I, in I don't... Legends, it's the same motivation. Okay. That came after these books to kind of, you know, justify... I see. ...us relating to him a bit more. So, Jacob, the book that you had read with Thrawn before this, what, which, what was it? Outbound what was Flight. Outbound Flight. Yeah. When does that take place? That is during people? the Clone Wars. <laughs> so I think it's... At, it's Mm, is it pre attack of the clones? I think. Or... I think it is. I think it's twenty two BBY. So I think it is pre attack of the clones. Yeah. Um, and that's the actual Sebioth. Yeah. Not the clone oh, Sebioth. Okay. And I'm pretty sure they mentioned the outbound flight in the. Th- they do. do. Yeah. That was yeah. that was very like. So oh, it, I remember that. It's that original mission. <laughs> You're doing that Leonardo DiCaprio yeah, like, of like me. Yeah. <laughs> it's that original mission of sending Jedi off. I see. To for whatever reason. So how was that? How so? That's a younger Thrawn, and in that one, do you get to see what you're talking about, Trev? Or it's um, there's, there's like, a it's been a long yeah, time. It's also for me, but there's a little bit more I think of that because this this book I bl- has Thras, and I think it has Arlani in it too, right? I mean, like you're oh, seeing wow. Thrawn as like coming from the Ascendancy. He's Ascendancy Thrawn at that point. Like he, they basically run into him like on the edges of the galaxy. So. It's definitely closer to canon, and there are like some like if you like the ascendancy. I know you said you like Chaos Rising. There are some a lot actually ties between Outbound Flight and the Ascendancy trilogy. Interesting, huh? So yeah, because I don't think in Zahn's head, I, I don't think he's made that split between Legends and canon. <laughs> <laughs> like as yeah. far as he's concerned, it's all one Thrawn story. Yeah, I mean, so, Mr. I mean, I mean, Dave Filoni is gonna royally cock that up for it, <laughs> and I hope he's prepared. I mean, he straight up copy pasted Mist Encounters in the canon. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, I mean, he made some changes, but um, <laughs> and and that's not the first time that Mist Encounters had changes because originally it referred to President Palpatine, and then that got changed for a reprint oh, yeah. in Tales from the Empire. Maybe, but I got changed to Chancellor Palpatine, and then when the first chapter of Canon Thrawn came out, uh, they added the whole new character of what's his name, Eli Vanto, the young cadet. Yep, so he's not in Mist Encounter, right. but essentially the well, story like is still the same. I like that story. I think that's like I mean, I, I, and it's something that in the Canon novels that he's done that, um. It wasn't, I don't, you know, wasn't really happening here, but the whole like in between chapters where it's just, you get to kind of spend a little bit of time in Thrawn's head, um, to me, I mean, which was to me the most successful, successful was in the just canon Thrawn where it's just like this little bits of like knowledge of like Thrawn knowledge, like that just like, oh, humans will do this, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) It's sort of like, I'm like, ooh, like it's like really dark, but also 
very true <laughs> the way he sees like humanity um and we don't really get to spend that much time like in his head so we just have to assume how he's thinking or, or how his tactical brain is working by his actions in heir to the empire but essentially the so the whole plot of the first book is thrones on the offensive wants to yes. destroy the new republic mad yes. jedi wants to steal jason and jaina um, yes. And Mara Jade wants to kill Luke. Yes, that's the the three separate strands. Yeah, of, of but, the plot. Yeah, I I didn't like Sebayoth in this book. Okay, <laughs> in the first one, I thought he. Was... I mean, I don't think you're supposed to. No, I mean, I don't. He's think not a likable like guy. No, no, no. It, I just didn't. It seemed like wasted. Like you didn't really get to spend enough time with him to know anything about him as a character. So he was just very much sort of like touched on, and then, and it was very clear that I was like, oh, I'm going to expand on him on the next book, and I'm like, I then don't bring him up <laughs> or something. I don't know. It was just like there was a lot of other stuff going on, and his introduction just felt a little flat to me in this book. Okay, that's interesting because in my memories, he's you know a key pillar of the in story the, in the trilogy. He is. I don't think he he doesn't do much in the first book. He basically just agrees to like help Thrawn, quote unquote, if he if Thrawn can get him the twins and Luke, because he is the only Jedi master left, and he needs to expand the Jedi, so he needs to train new Jedi to continue the Jedi. Like that's that's basically I all I remember is him just having that conversation. I think he battle meditations a couple times in the first, maybe like once or twice in the first book. But yeah, I mean, he's definitely yeah. like. They they let him they they give it some time before he really becomes more prominent. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I can't there's... remember. Do we do we know in the first book that he's a clone? No, I don't think so. No, I okay. If just because I'm we... looking at the book page, well, because like the it says insane Jedi clone, because the... that could be a spoiler, right? The Sparty cylinders aren't even like explained at all in the first book. Like they say, like we have oh, okay. these cylinders, and I'm like. Yeah. There's a lot of moments in this these books where like I hadn't read them before, but because I know things, it's like oh, like this is definitely a mystery, but I know mm. it's clones. Or like you know, they're yeah. like when it's, like later on in the series when Sabayoth's like, I want you to clone something by, based on this Emperor's sample. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, I know that's uh, you know clone Luke, like obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like yeah. you know, there's a long time before you really are revealed that information. So yeah, I, I don't think he's mentioned as a clone in the first book. No, I mean, I, I, you know, you, you get to, from what I remember, it's like you, you get to see that, you know, they, they go to wherever planet he's on and he's guarding something and he, but there's a whole people from that, that planet and he's kind of like controlling them. And I mean, that part is all interesting, but that's about it. Then they kind of like talk to him and then they make their deal and that's it. So it was, he was very much a sort of like, almost like a post credits, like MCU kind of like <laughs> teaser where he's like oh there's some other jedi left oh my god stay tuned till book you know for book two to find out what he will do um but that was pretty much like he's his from what i you know his treatment in this book so uh, the next of a uh, zan sort of pet characters then mari jade what are your um initial impressions about her so Jared, uh, Jared, sorry, uh, Jacob. I'm assuming you had a more passing familiarity than maybe Jose, because um, I imagine Jose, you may have heard of her, but you probably haven't read a lot with her in. So, 
What were your thoughts, Jacob? So I do have, I probably do have a bit of a more passing familiarity, but again, my my touch point for Mara Jade was Legacy of the Force Mara Jade, who is very, very <laughs> different. <Okay. yeah. laughs> Where oh, it's yeah. like they're fully married and have a child, and she's a yes. you know, Jedi uh, in the order. Whereas in this one, she's like, I you know, she's like when I open up, she's like, you must kill Luke Skywalker. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like but I knew she was like. That- I knew she was the Emperor's hand and everything, but yeah. like I didn't know like she was still very, very set on killing him. Yeah, for yeah. most of the trilogy. Um. Yeah. For me, well, of course, I knew of Mara Jade from our fantastic episode on all of Luke's uh, romantic <laughs> relationships <laughs> okay, yeah. that we recorded a couple of years ago. Um. My first, the first book that I read where there was a mention of Mara Jade, um, she was dead. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so yeah, this is the first book point. that I've ever read with a, a, a live uh, Mara Jade. She, um, no, I mean, I, th- I thought she was, I liked her. I liked the idea that she was, you know, I didn't expect that she wanted to kill uh, Luke either, Jacob. So yeah. um, that was interesting to me, like the whole sort of like idea that she was like, the, did they get into in in this book because it's further explained right that she didn't know that she wasn't like the chosen hand that she thought she that's was that's like book two or three I think okay yeah so so in book one she still thinks that she is sort of she's like, like the one the person yeah, yeah yeah okay I thought that was interesting so I mean and actually in, in terms of her journey I thought that was also a really interesting journey through the whole like three books right Mm -hmm. that it was like then she discovers that no this dude like he had several women or like mistresses or whatever um so so no i thought that that was uh i i liked her i i thought she was seemed very capable i mean i i i think that from i wasn't thrilled with the like in the whole trilogy or the trilogy as a whole, rather, that on how the women were like written entirely, and I feel like that was probably just a little bit of a, just maybe a function of the way Star Wars writers wrote women in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, I, like I don't know if it was my if my expectations were lower for that, but I didn't think it was yeah. the worst. Like I was like honestly, I came away being like. Hey, for the early '90s, like with writing women and it being a white guy writing it, yeah, it could be worse. Like especially because, <laughs> like one of the, uh, you know, I've read or I've read the comic book adaptation for Shadows of the yeah. Empire, and that was way worse with it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, and Evolutions was way somehow yeah. even worse. So. Yeah. Oh, Evolutions is terrible. I think that maybe the fact that it, I mean, not necessarily expectations, but if for since it's uh, maybe just lack of. Uh, just experience with those other books or, or those other, the other, you know, other writers that it to me just felt a little flat and it was definitely, you know, very much heavy handed on just like the male characters. And then when it came to the women, they just still very much function as like tools for the male characters. So Mara J just being like her, her main motivation, just being a result of Palpatine, just, I'm like, I kind of just wanted more from that or being able to explore that more. So that was just like some of the things that I'm like, oh, she's interesting. There's something really interesting about her. I just would want to know more about her as a person and not just as some, like, the hand, like, an extension of Palpatine. 
And and then I felt similarly with the way that Leia was written because Leia was very much like Organa Solo. So it wasn't ever like you know like Leia or like she was always addressed as her last name with the solo bit. Whereas every other character is Lando was doing this and Han was doing this and Luke is this. All the male characters are have their first name and then Leia was never Leia. She was always Organa Solo. Like think, she is oh, now tied to Solo. Do you think that's, so that's a, what, a function of her being on like, you know, this higher up leadership like inner council position where it's like that level of respect for the last name kind of thing? Because I mean... Well, but the narrator doesn't have to do that. If she's yeah. being addressed by another character within the story, then yes, I agree. But the fact that the narrator say, oh, and then Luke went and he saw Organa Solo. And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> like, Luke will see Leia. So, like, Luke right. knows her as Leia. So, and I'm, you know, and, and I'm, and I don't, I'm not, like, quoting a specific line right now. So, I, that part might not ever really happen exactly like that. But that was, like, my kind of, like, what I felt was happening. And it just felt a little, like, I mean, no, I mean, Leia's awesome. And she, what she was doing in this book was really cool too. But then it was always to be kind of like taken down a notch by always just referring to her as either Lady Vader. So she's either just like the daughter of her father or Organa Solo, the wife of Han Solo. So it just always kind of like she was never just Leia is a badass. <laughs> so um, one thing I want to bring up is uh, some of the the new settings that we see. So one of the thrills of any Star Wars movie is the new type of planet we're going to see, the new type of industry or anything like that. So one of the things Sand does well is giving us something new in Star Wars. And when he mm-hmm. gets the band back together and introduces Lando, you get that planet with the Atats, with the massive yes. shields over them. Now, I think that's an amazing Star Wars setting. That's the sort of thing you can imagine Ralph McQuarrie art for. <laughs> yeah. Well, How did that well, work for you? Jacob, go I, for it. It was very... It was very... It, like, I thought it was super cool. It was just almost a little goofy at the same time. Like, just, like, thinking, again, like, you could see it as, like, the cool Ralph McQuarrie interpretation, or you just, like, you know, I'm thinking, like, a thousand at-ats just, like, walking over with this giant platform over the top of it. it you know, I, like, I, I, it did hit for me, but I can definitely... So it didn't work for you that no, well. I think, I think it did work, <laughs> but I can, like, if someone said, like, if someone came to me and was like, I thought that was so weird, I would, I would understand. What, what were the, the creatures called? Creatures? Uh, it's Salamiri. Oh, yeah. The, that, the force bubble. Yeah. Lizards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I, that's something that hasn't been explored in canon, really, right? So they haven't... The living creature has not appeared in canon. However, like, in his office on the Chimera, there are, like, little carvings of them. So it, is that an Easter egg and just, like, a nod? Probably, because we haven't... Yeah, they haven't, yeah. like, explored him actually having them. Yeah, so I know that his, um, his Power of the Force a action figure from the 90s mm-hmm. had a little Salamiri really? over his shoulder... So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not fully answering your question here, Trev, about the, the <laughs> introduction to a new world, but the introduction to a new species. And, I mean, because it, it's kind of like it's sort of connected, I think, just because, like, imagine, like, a forest just full of these sort of, like, creatures. And that's what I'm kind of like I was picturing as you were asking that question. And I just, like, that this idea of this sort of creature that is able to kind of, like, absorb all force energy, that I thought was incredibly interesting. 
and um, so that I mean, you know. Well, I don't think they absorb the force energy; they just nullify it. They create or nullify a, it a non-force the bubble. bubble. Yeah. 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 Well, whatever you know, anti-grav or no grav, whatever you want to call this, <laughs> it's, <laughs> same conversation. <laughs> if you, they absorb it. It's and then you can't use it, whatever. <laughs> but the same effect. Um, but no, I thought I thought that that to me was a you know the, the fact that you spent three movies um, just kind of like are so force centric and the the idea that hey or force and like bad force and then it's like wait hold on what about the absence of force that to me is a really interesting concept that I mean was sort of I mean obviously used in here and I think uh, um, Thrawn was using it a lot and why to me Thrawn becomes more formidable is for that reason more so than like Sebayoth as some quote unquote insane clone yeah and there is the whole um, there is the whole cloning generates insanity angle as well which obviously cloning gets revisited later but Zahn even gives a timeline in these books about when the Clone Wars happened. Right. It's it's way out. Yeah, it's, it's like, like 40 years ago years. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was based on the information he was given at the time. So yeah. George Lucas obviously overrode all that. Yeah. Um, so we went through the first book uh, briefly. So second book, and again, I'm reading this from a work. Yeah, go for uh, it. <laughs> basically, so the guys are on the run. Uh, they think they've got a spell in Delta Source. So I want to talk about Delta Source. How believable was the the plants are giving us information plotline, or the plants are a recording device? It was interesting because, like, you know, this whole time you're like, who can it be? Who can it be? Who? And like, I think that a lot of the the you know reveal part of it was in the last oh, command, yeah, yeah. but then like, it I think it was like shortly. Be- it was weird because when you find it out, you go back and think about all the times when it's been mentioned someone brushes their hand on this plant, and it's like, wow, he like he spent a lot of time describing this thing and like throwing it out there, and you just never, I, like, I never considered it. Like, it's so yeah. out there. I'm like, yeah, oh, because who, okay, who would? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a real. I think it's. I I kind of like that because they they kind of also right they sort of explain it on how it works. And it's and it's what you know. I I like it when they try to go a little more sci-fi in Star Wars, uh, and they try to actually explain the science behind <laughs> how something works, and the fact that it wasn't just pure, just like, you know, religion slash just magic. The fact that there's like, oh yeah, this is why, and this you touch it or whatever, and like goes to the whatever system, and and I I feel like that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, but I had completely forgotten about that. So, <laughs> so what, oh, one thing, I, one thing I do want to bring up. Uh, I know we've joked about this on the show a lot, and uh-huh. now you've actually read the book where it came from. Is uh-huh. the Wookiee with the speech impediment? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's this one. The Wookiee that can accidentally oh, speak basic. That was ridiculous. <laughs> did um, wait, uh, Jacob? Did you do the the actual? You did the actual book, right? Not the audiobook? right? Yeah. Have you? How was it in the audiobook? <laughs> Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's really interesting, I guess, but it's just, like, so terrible. I mean... It's just someone speaking English rolling their R's a lot. <laughs> when isn't it? Isn't it just um, Mark Thompson who, who voices it? I, I don't know. I can't remember now. But, um, no, it's just, like, 
it's just painful because it's just like it goes on for a long time. I don't know if it's, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what's worse, like a Wookiee with a speech impediment that allows him to speak uh, basic, or hearing Wookiee speak Wookiee speak Shuri Wook in the holiday special for a long time. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can you get to understand what they're thinking in uh when they speak basic but it was pretty bad <laughs> um so the reason that popped up is because i was i was reading the summary and it talks about how um leia ends up on the planet honor i'm not quite sure how you're pronounced supposed to pronounce it but it is meant to be honor uh-huh. you know the no Greece home planet after her adventures on kashik yes um but i found that whole reveal of the Nogri history yeah really really fascinating in yeah. the second book and the way that Leia plays that. Right. I, I I had an interesting thing where, you know, how I was saying how, like, I just was buzzing through books the whole time over over break. Um, I think directly before I read this book, I was also reading the uh, Star Wars Republic comic book series, which uh-huh, does okay. tell you about how the Nogri's planet yes. was. So I was like, I was like, oh, it's, you know, I, I like, because, you know, Leia spends almost the entire book thinking that, it was the rebellion's fault that this planet is destroyed and you know it was actually just during the clone war so like they had nothing to do with it but i'm like oh again another like thing that was like should have been a mystery and should have been a cool reveal for me down the road where it's like oh i i, I know what's happening yeah. here <laughs> yeah no i i liked her her whole thing with the nogri i thought was the, the whole storyline i can't remember where it starts and ends really in with within the books but i thought that was a a cool journey and also just getting to learn more about the Nogri's past, which hasn't really been explored at length in canon. So But also I think um I think you're you get the impression or you're supposed to get the impression that the rebellion has been going on sort of twenty years mm-hmm. as opposed to five years. You know, oh, the time scales yeah. are much longer. True. Right. So you know, well, because if if the rebellion had been responsible for that, surely yeah. Leia would know. Yeah. Since she's been in rebellion since the beginning, right? But um, also the fact that I mean, even just because the Nogri are doing what they do because they consider Vader kind of like their savior, right? Yeah. So I thought that was also an interesting take because we, you know, before this, we're always meant to think of, you know, up until the very end, like Vader is just evil, right? And obviously he had to had some like goodness or whatever in the past uh, before he became this uh, obviously we get into that during the prequels but the fact that you know that there's more to vader than what we have been we have seen and that you know the, that there's a whole group of people or group like a whole race that considers him to be a force of good <laughs> in a way um like he's not the one that screwed them over like it, the empire did but vader is vader so that was just another thing where it's like Vader is not just like a tool. For, I mean, he was like Empire's like attack dog, sure, but he was also still doing things on the side for his own. So like, one one weird thing as well is that after the Thrawn trilogy, Leia basically has no Greek bodyguards for yeah. the next forty years. Yeah, that's that was kind of like what I was something, something that I was thinking about as I was reading these because yeah, like I'd read Legacy of the Force. They are you know by her side the entire time. It's like. Do they yep. were really like in between those, like during like the mm. new Jedi Order time? Do they like square the fact that she's kind of you know become she's taken over by yeah, slavery? Yeah, it's like it seems very weird 
I like I feel like there should be some like obviously she's giving them the revelation of how to fix their planet. Well, they yeah. also just leave their planet. But it's just like she she's Yeah, I don't the- think they ever return to that planet. I don't think anyone ever returns to that planet in Legends books ever again. It's just, yeah, it's well, so just always got destroyed. A, every book well, was just a, like a couple of new bodyguards. Yeah. Well the yeah, but the planet was well the crops were destroyed but just because of whatever they were feeding the crops, right? And that's why they were kinda they, like Yeah, like they kept like planting these it was yeah. kind of weird how they explained it, but it sounded like they were like kept planting this grass that basically just like killed the planet right but then but then once they i feel like they should have been to you know put actual cleanup droids on there and fix it maybe you know the kind of thing where you come back in like 50 years and it's fixed but yeah it's just it's so weird to like the life debt situation with chewy is one thing because it's a singular person pledging to help a singular person but when it's like basically the entire race of a species pledging to protect a singular person and there was yeah. you know some even though she did help them there's like a bit of like deceit at the beginning it just kind of makes yeah. it a little weird especially when they're yeah. like i i thought it was interesting like the dynamic of her and luke being like hey you know they're good but you kind of have to like make sure that they think vader's also still good because you can't like disrespect yeah. them or they're going to get mad yeah it was very it's, interesting yeah, dynamic I mean, she was i mean she that's where her experience as a senator and everything mm-hmm. like pays off because she knows how to like i mean be a little manipulative right or kind of like understand how to talk to different people and sometimes you have to say these things or, or you have to change the tone in which you say things right like it's like you know maybe it isn't terrible that you are a child of darth vader <laughs> like you can use i that mean to for, for me looking back as well some of the most um tension-filled scenes are those with Leia where she's on Kashyyyk yeah. and on her and being hunted and trying oh, yeah. to resolve this whole yeah. mystery. That was always more captivating than the global yeah. picture for me. Yeah. It's well, like... And there's that scene. This is not in Kashyyyk though, right? Is it when cause they're hiding in like a tent or that, something? That's on Honor when they're like okay. up yeah. in the like rafters basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, and then you have the the empire there or something, and and it's just like, yeah, there's a lot of tension that is built through through her like journey throughout her journey. I think a lot a little bit more than than the other characters actually. No, like, yeah, you kind of expect Luke to always like win. You know, use the force and <laughs> be fine. Yeah, it's like reading through that. It's like obviously like me the reader. Like I know that the the heroes are going to win and that none of them like none of the big ones are going to die at least but it's like i think that was yeah the one time in yeah. dark force rising like i is she gonna make it out of this okay like yeah. i like i feel like she's but also at the time right at the time we didn't know right that. yeah yeah because True. these were the first ones so we didn't know that everyone was going to escape or yeah but know, get yeah. To imagine the if the they book. just like killed chewing a book that'd be insane yeah, oh, like yeah, throw a moon yeah. at him. No one would do that. Yeah. Why would they do that? <laughs> so um, I want to talk about another plot point, man. And out of all the plot points of his book, this is the one that I think we will see revisited. Okay. In The Mandalorian or Ahsoka or however Thrawn gets reintroduced. Luke? And that's the Katana fleet. Oh. Mm. You know, these 200 missing Star Destroyers or Dreadnoughts that are all slave-linked together. Mm-hmm. If anything, I think that's going to be the plot point that yeah, comes but back in. Couldn't that be kind of like what we saw in uh, like uh, Rise of Skywalker? 
Exactly. It'll be a very uh... similar thing where... But, I mean, those ones, the Emperor been building them the whole time, or maybe the Katana fleet will lead in yeah, to that. I think that would make a useful Yeah, just all rose bridge. at the same time. Uh, were... well, that's just because <laughs> the they were slave system a button at the same time. Those are... The whole slave system being, like, a big plot point was kind of weird, I feel like. But, anyways... I, I mean, it does leave you open to some hacking. Yeah. I think... I don't know if it works... Uh, we're we're at a without being too like negative. I think it works. I don't think it works with the like expanded material we have right now. I like. I think it worked as a reason for those ships to disappear. Yeah, but I think it stops being a useful or believable plot point after that. Yeah, yeah. Because how else are you going to have two hundred ships disappear at the same time? Oh uh, no! How, is it, did, how did they disappear in the book? I- it was like they like jumped to hyperspace and like all All their navigation systems were linked up yeah so they would go in somewhere and then they just didn't get and so they were there were no there were no pilots the crew was like had like some disease that drove them insane or something like that so then they jumped to like a random point like all died or killed each other something like that and then you just have you know 200 dead ships floating in space and no one knows where they are oh my they need to do this. I don't know if it, I, <laughs> see. I don't know if it works because, like, you know, again, if if we assume that we're taking everything into account with with canon right now, like, think of like Bloodline, where like the the New Republic yes. has been so like no like you know very no military basically, yes. and like I don't. But can't they do it as like a one shot sort of like Star Wars special? thing for like halloween on disney plus just like one hour where you just have someone that comes across uh like an army of ghost ships so okay it's interesting that you talk about this because are either you up to date with the current star wars mainline comic book i am not Uh, up to date i'm either up to date or i'm an issue behind okay but you can go um, ahead but, so I'm, with spoilers. Yeah, I'm close yeah so they you've been at least introduced to the concept of, i think it's the keseret fleet uh where it's very similar it like it feels yes, very so similar they were trying to find it's like yeah drive and it turned out to be a path drive from a night so, like basically this space. fleet during the high republic with like a ton of fuel like got knocked out like got lost in hyperspace i think around the time of the great yeah. disaster and like the rebels are like, we need to get this fuel because we're running low on resources. So we're going to like jump through hyperspace trying to find this random fleet of fuel yeah. ships. So instead of like warships, it's, you know, resources and they find it basically abandoned uh, at no space from the Nihil. So yeah. it's like, I feel like after that's a very Leia, similar vibe. After Leia takes a vacation, by the way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to point out that this happened when Leia's forced to take a holiday and land by the pool for mm-hmm. a bit. <laughs> No, it's a very I mean, old story choice. I, 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 no, but I think that you could make it work if it's, I mean, it doesn't even have to be connected to any of the main stories. Just mm-hmm. like I've seen, you know, just like they did with the, in Marvel with the werewolf by night, just like go a little campy with the horror. Mm-hmm. And we've seen horror like, you know, in, uh, in Clone Wars and in Rebels. So just something very much like that, where it's just like a, just an hour, hour and a half long thing. And it's like you go and you see ghost ships, and maybe there's a bit of a, some people that are left or whatever, but they're all kind of like messed up, very like you know death trooper zombies <laughs> and stuff. But just something like that, I think it'd be fun. I think if it, but yeah, if they do it, they have to like find a way to destroy most of the ships in the in the yeah. course of the story. <laughs> yeah. Now, so for me, I mean, we're all looking forward to Thrawn's return, 
Yes. But what I think people forget, what I forget, is Thrawn's already returned. Ahsoka is aware of him. She is actively looking for him. Mm -hmm. So he is back doing stuff. We Mm. just haven't seen it. Is he? Or or, or are are she still like... Because there's like the theory that the end, like epilogue scene of Rebels is post, like after the entire... um, Yeah. Like after everything, after the trilogy and all that stuff. And that like, you know, now they're searching. So maybe this is the start of her search or something now that the, you know, now that the war's over. But I mean, that's a long time... That's a yeah, long yeah. time to wait, isn't it? Like yeah. ten years, and then pick yeah. up the search. You know, well, the, the other thing is we they, did they see... would have searched for Ezra. Right. This sounds like she's she's following a lead. Right. You know, it's not a it's not a vague question. Oh, have you seen this guy? Well, and then we did see ago? the droids in that same episode. The droids had like the you know the seventh or ninth whatever his fleet was, the ninth or seventh yeah. feet logo on their shoulders or something like that. Mm. So, so for, like I said, for me that would be the introduction. But yes, he's back, and he's looking for this katana fleet. Because that gives Ooh. him the army that he needs. Well, and kind of connected to this too, in terms of like what they're doing with the new with the TV shows, is that I've also read how um, the idea of a clone Luke is not really going to happen, but that they can explore a similar storyline with the clone Grogu. I don't think I'm not entirely Ooh. convinced that clone Luke will not happen. Because in one of the Darth Vader comics that came out like a couple years ago, you just you yeah. see Luke's hand in a vat, like on Exegol. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it's on Exegol. Mm. It's just like the hands floating. I'm like, yeah. I've been I've been revisiting that a lot in the past couple of weeks with like you know all the discussion on what might happen in these TV shows. I'm like, eh, I don't know if it's out of the cards yet. I guess not, but yeah, when I when I read something about Grogu, like what they're leading up to with the cloning process, and hopefully with this season third season we can get a little bit more into that as well besides everything that happened in mandalore but like the idea that there's there's definitely like room to add more from this the heir to the empire trilogy into in, into what into canon mm-hmm. by exploring some of this more of the cloning and well, the ramifications of it we have to remember that they also had wayland at the end of bad batch season one so like there's yes. more connections there there's you know we're you know we're at time of recording what we're like about a third of the way through season two having watched that mm-hmm. so like nothing mm-hmm. yet but there's still definitely room for them to revisit that later on yeah so um let's move on to last command then um yes a lot of stuff happens in this book like a lot this is a <laughs> yes. very very busy busy book rather than focusing on for, for many many plot points uh Let's talk about how you both felt of it as a conclusion to the story. Uh, Jose, let's start with you. Oi, why are you starting with me? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think it was artfully done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's let's focus on that then. Let's focus on that. So that's one of those um, Zahn things where you don't see it coming. Yeah. And yes, the the build-up had been put there with everything Leia had been doing, but at the same time, is it a bit of a cop out? It was just is it a cheap. It was death? interesting, like like because again, I read the physical novel, so like I'm going through the pages, and I'm like, there was not enough time. Like it's like you know, just like looking at how much was left. I'm like, I feel like there's not enough time to do everything. <laughs> like. We we had like fifteen pages left, and we we're still battling Clone Luke. Like yeah. we have to still deal with the battle. We have to deal with Thrawn. Like there's so much that needs to be accomplished. That was like, 
Yeah. I, like, I knew how he and died. And that's exactly how I felt. It that's exactly like... how I felt with the last Ascendancy book. Yeah. You get into the last chapter and you're like, nothing is resolved here. Yeah. How are we going to tie all this up in, like you said, 15 pages? Well, so I think that I... is one of Zahn's... He almost writes himself into a box. I think, I mean, I, and that's that's kind of like what I was talking about. Um, I don't know if it was like when we first started recording or right before we started recording where I was just saying that, you know, usually the the first Zahn book in a trilogy feels like super strong that the middle one just feels a little like slow, like, okay, like not much happened or hard to remember exactly what would happen in that one. And then the third one, then there's like a rush to the end. <laughs> and like, that's, yeah, I feel like that happened to me with uh, with the Ascendancy books. And then in this one, it's, yeah, it was a little bit like that too, where it was just like, you introduce a lot of things in the first one, the second one is sort of like, okay, take me to the third one. And the third one's like, we got to do everything now. <laughs> yeah, it's also interesting. And then, Go on. I was like, it's interesting, like, again, having already ideas of what would happen in the books. I thought I thought Clone Luke was a much more significant part of this, the overall tr- story of the trilogy. I did not, like, expect him to be like, oh, you know, here he is for one battle, and that is it. Like, you know, I think it serves a good, like, the, the purpose he serves in the story is interesting, you know, like, testing our actual Luke and, you know, seeing how he's developed yeah. over the course of the trilogy. But I'm like, I expected him to be in way more than like 30 pages of content over the course of three <laughs> books. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I remember really liking is the whole, um, the, the kind of headache for Luke got when he was around Luke, like that corruption of the force. Yeah. But then you go down that whole rabbit hole of, you know, can you clone midi-chlorians and, Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, the whole point of Luke being there isn't from a storytelling point of view. It's not for Luke to fight him. Yeah. It's for Mara Jade to get past her mm. her programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I think, I think, I liked the like. I did like the Last Command quite a bit. I, I didn't. <laughs> my two biggest gripes with, or two like least favorite parts of the entire trilogy were being uh in the forest with the the isalmiri in the first book and then being in the forest on wayland in this in the third book i'm like we've done this before and i did not like it either time but i mean i think overall i liked the conclusion it did feel a little bit rushed but i think it you know it wraps up most things in a pretty satisfactory way and um also the uh, the whole asteroid thing on coruscant i love that but at the same time, it doesn't really work. Like, you can't make asteroids invisible. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, a cloaking yeah. anything doesn't make like things... That's yeah. right. It doesn't, doesn't make... You know, it's not Star Trek. So, that's, although we have seen cloaking now in Star Wars, I think. We've never uh, seen we? it before where cloaking essentially just hides your transponder signal, your radar. Uh, it's not, like, invisible. Yeah. It doesn't make you invisible. Well, but yeah, to but, have uh, all these invisible asteroids. <laughs> but we're talking about like a group of, you know, a, a society and a culture that is constantly like traveling in space. Like someone with with or without radars and whatnot, they would have seen this heading in a direction that was going to be problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if you're not really like making them invisible, uh, but you know, I, then I, it's again, just it's, like someone would have seen it. 
I guess we also have to believe sonar technology doesn't exist in Star Wars because yeah, you just like just since it was a waves. long time ago. Yeah. They didn't ha- they hadn't That's developed sonar true. yet. <laughs> they had all these other really cool technological things with sonar. No, yeah, they took a very interesting approach to the skill tree for for that. Uh, but I, I I did like seeing like again having read the canon books first, seeing like similar military sci-fi type things that Zahn likes to do like he has like things with planetary shields and sieges in both mm. canon and legends and like you know mess around with he messes around with asteroids as weapons in the ascendancy book and like there's a yeah. lot of these yeah. similar like strategic oh, maneuvers yeah, right. that they're doing True. between both of them that i thought was super interesting i'm wondering cool. i mean did he do you think he like read his own you know his those books before writing the ascendancy to see kind of like mind his own um legends books for content or is it just in him and he was he's writing it it just sort of like comes out regardless i i think you see a lot of similar things throughout all his books you know yeah Yeah. he he's the same guy you know yeah but i'm just saying like you think it was like is it deliberate like on purpose or is it just that's just what he does you know like is he like hey i this was a really cool concept and i'd like to kind of like keep it now in canon so let me bring it back in because it could still work with everything that's going on or is he just sort of like someone who is just very much interested in like asteroids just destroying a planet (laughs) you know what i mean i think if he was writing something for for some other like ip he might still write asteroids yeah. being cloaked or something. I, I don't think it was as, I think it was, yeah, more of his tendencies rather than like mm. a direct purposeful choice because like, you know, they, they're similar concepts, but they're still like tackled differently. Like the legend I shield think. thing was like, you know, hiding a, sh- a ship underneath and like doing like a double firing. Whereas in Canon, like, he just like sets off a giant bomb underneath a sh- uh, shield and blows up a city. Mm-hmm. And then like with the asteroids, it was a basically hidden asteroid base that had guns yeah. on it versus you know just straight chucking asteroids with cloaking shields at a planet so like yeah i think i think he just you know he's he's more i think he's more of a sci-fi writer than most star wars authors we get and he just likes exploring these similar concepts have you read any zon outside of star wars no i have not i i have not but i imagine it being very similar (laughs) i'm curious now i might i might check out some other one of his books i know he's written a good dozen or so books yeah yeah, I mean, I, I'd be. I mean, I'm kind of curious now about that with like most of our like you know a list sort of like Star Wars authors and go read some I, Star Trek John Jackson Miller. See how that compares. Yeah, yeah. Just like it'd be interesting just to see like how much like it is just in innate to this author and like you know their own personal and biases and mm-hmm. and and like interests and how they translate to the different like properties or how much of it is them being like inspired by the the characters themselves and trying to come up with something and 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 translating the voice just because again i mean going back to your first question trev i think that this trilogy the way it starts felt very star warsy and i did yeah it 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 had it it was able to capture the voice and spirit of star wars at least in that first book very well um i mean and then you kind of just go from there but the fact that then all these other books have a similar kind of like connection to this, then I'm like, yeah. So is he really capturing the voice, or is it, or is he just that's just how he what he writes? I mean, it's so, an interesting question to me, I guess. <laughs> so I'll tell you what we're gonna do. So as we uh, get close to wrapping up this episode, yeah. Now we're gonna use the old 
Utini review rating system. I know uh-huh. it all got upgraded a, a while back, but uh-huh. that doesn't really work for a podcast. <laughs> and not for us. And because uh-huh. we're rebels. So we're going to... I'm going to throw some elements of a book at you, and I want you to rate it out of five. Out of five, okay. So, let's start with the plot. Wait, Jacob. hold on. For each book or for the trilogy? For the trilogy what? as a whole. Okay. So, plot, Jacob, out of five. I will... I, I'm I'm a, one of those people that's hesitant to give anything a five, so I'll give it a four. Mm-hmm. I, I did think I enjoyed it overall. Strong. There were still some parts... Yeah, I think... There are still parts that dragged a little bit for me. Uh, again, like the two forced excursions. But I think overall, from top to bottom, it was a very solid story. Jose. Plot. I'll give it... I should have gone out of 10. Uh, mm. But never mind. So let's let's go out of 10. Let's just mix it up. Jacob, right, so, out of 10. Uh, <laughs> I like more variants. Same reasoning, so 8. Okay. I'll give it a 6.75. Okay. <laughs> and why that's how it works you have to give a reason why yeah you have to you have to show your workings out no um no i mean i i think it was it was better than a lot of other things that i've read so that's why it goes above the five to me five it's just it just means that it's 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 fine acceptable so, acceptable right and like jacob said i don't i don't think anything can ever be a 10 because that would just mean it's perfect and and nothing can be perfect um but anyways so uh no i mean i think it was it was a solid it was it was a solid plot i think that just it yeah like because some things dragged on for me then it just sort of like they felt it felt unnecessary um so there were just like maybe maybe like the A plot was better, but then the B, C, D plots were just sort of like, why? And I think that's why I kind of like bring it down a little bit. But I mean, to me, a 675 means like you should definitely read it. It's just not going to be the necessarily the best book you've ever read, but you're definitely going to enjoy it. So. Okay. Uh, sticking with you, Vin Jose, what about characters? Ooh. Um, can we do new characters and um, existing characters no, separately? Just... Yeah, why not? Two different segments. Um, well, no, I mean, because I, I think the, the introduction of new characters, I, I'll give it, that one I'll give it a, a solid eight and a half. I think that there's a lot of really interesting characters that are introduced in, in this in this trilogy um, I with a lot of potential. And obviously, like, we're still seeing Thrawn. <laughs> um, so the fact that 30 years later, we're still curious and, and, and reading about this one character, just, I mean, how strong that is. Mary Jade also being, a, you know, obviously super interesting character that uh, and, and what she brings to the table. Uh, and Rook, too. So I think the new characters, I would they are solid eight and a half. Um, the existing characters, I think I'll rank a little lower than that, maybe like a seven or so. Okay. Um, I think the voices were captured fairly well, but I don't necessarily think that they go through, um, a, you know, we don't really learn that much more from, about each character through the story. They're just still kind of reacting more to what's happening rather than having a lot of, you know, learning much about them, I think. I think that's definitely true with, um, say, like Han and Chewie. I think Leia goes for a bit of growth and Luke definitely goes for some growth but I mean outside of that yeah I mean they're, they're faced with some things too that they struggle with but not necessarily they're still Luke and Leia like you still know where they're gonna go 
yeah with regardless like there was never any doubt in me that like luke was gonna do what luke does so that's why i was sort of like yeah like he was fine his voice was fine but i don't think he had a major character arc necessarily Okay, what about you, Jacob? I, I think I'm pretty similar. I'm going to give the new characters maybe a 9. You know, I, obviously, like, I, Thrawn, really enjoyed him. Enjoyed Marjade wasn't my favorite in this trilogy, but still a very strong character. Uh, yeah. For some reason, I really, really liked um, Bell Iblis. Like, I thought he was a very interesting character. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, yes, he was. And Talon Card, obviously, cool as well. Um, yes. Yes. So, like, there's a lot of interesting characters. I You know, I didn't... Outside of Mara Jade, I didn't really feel much about the rest of Talon Card's crew, and um, or the rest of the smugglers in general. Kind of, there's like. But you uh, also had um, you also have Borsk failure. You know, yeah. he's a Zahn creation as well. Yeah, he's kind of interesting. I like. Uh, there was a lot more. I noticed in this like era of legends of defining a character by their species than there is mm-hmm. in like more modern storytelling. Like they're like, yeah, he's a Bothan. So he's going to be like this. I'm like, he's sneaky. That's yeah. a little <laughs> sus. i be honest, but you know, yeah, I think overall the new characters are very, like one of the stronger points of this trilogy. Um, I think yeah. it's very important when you are, you know, coming out of the dark times of star Wars and trying to establish this new part of the timeline, you need to, you know, have some new characters. I, again, I, I similar thoughts on the older characters. I thought Chewie was really frustrating to read in these stories, to be honest. I think he was like one mm-hmm. of the characters I had most of an issue. Also, Mon Mo- well, I think this is m- more of me coming from a canon perspective. Mon Mothma is just kind of bizarre. And yeah. like it, it just it does not make sense for me having a like more power hungry Mon Mothma like it. Like, I don't really see that. But, you know, overall, yeah. I would say probably new or old characters. Yeah, probably like a seven. Okay, so uh, the next score, then, is uh, originality, which is a really hard one on 30-year-old books that you've just read for the <laughs> first time. So, Jacob, what's your thoughts on the originality of the Thrawn trilogy? I'm going to, I think, in the lens of the time, I will give it a 10, just because of the amount of work it had, like, the amount of work it had, and kind of reestablishing this this fictional universe and oh yeah, that, allowing that other yeah and allowing other stories to like subsequent stories to build off of what Zahn had done. I think you know again a lot of people in that time see it as being so important and you know resurrecting this saga at, at the time where it was not doing so hot. So I, I think I'll give it a ten just for the <laughs> the the role it played in the franchise as a whole. I'll, I guess it's my turn. So um, I'll give it. I'll, I'll resurrect an old. Uh, since we're doing the old ranking system, an old West joke, and I'm gonna give it a nine point nine because mm. nothing can really be a ten. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> that was from like three years ago, but I remember I even made a little stamp. <laughs> like I designed a stamp that was just like nine point nine because <laughs> like you teeny like whatever. Um, no, I. I, I Again, I, I, everything that Jacob just said, I 100% agree with. I, especially thinking about when this was written, um, even more so that it was like extremely original, and there are still concepts uh, in this trilogy that haven't been explored yet in the in canon. Thirty years later, even though some of it has translated, but 
the fact that there's still things that they can use this to create new stories uh, just speaks to the amount of original content and unique content that uh, this book uh, or this series of books uh, like had. So I'm gonna I'm gonna skip one of the the grading things, which is writing, which we've discussed a fair bit already. Yeah. So I'm gonna jump straight to the last and possibly the most important one: entertainment. So Jose, how entertained were you by this trilogy? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> let's see. It was a it was a it was a real roller coaster. To be honest, um, there were bits that I felt extremely entertained by. There were bits that I just, I'm like, uh, like, do I really want to keep going? And I just wanted, yeah, there were moments where I just like, I just want to finish it. So, and not because I'm like, I'm so intrigued by it, but I'm like, it's just kept dragging on. And I'm like, I just want to yeah, yeah. move on to the next thing. So it's, 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 a, it's tough because the, the high moments were really high, but then everything else was cut to me was like, meh. Um, so entertainment out of 10, I mean, again, it's better than most. So definitely over a five. Um, I, I, maybe I'll just put it at a, at a seven for entertainment. Like I was in, and again, it's to me, I was entertained by it. So it's, it's fine, but it's not the most entertainment and entertaining thing that I've read. Mm-hmm. Because I could definitely put it down. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, okay. so that's where I'm at with it. What about you, Jacob? I I would probably give it an, an 8. And the reason why is I do think it, it's still a very solid story. And I enjoyed reading the whole time. Um, I think it is a victim of the expectations of like, you know, yeah. people hyping this book yeah, came out fair. 30 years ago. Or the first yes. one came out like 30 years ago. And people have been hyping it up. The entire time and i totally understand how big the story would have been for someone who again like in 93 is like they've had nothing for so long yes. and this is finally like a big star wars storytelling like moment that's pushing the timeline ahead of the movies but coming back to it now 30 years later it's like it's still a good story but i think since i don't have that like frame of mind at the time yeah. it doesn't yeah. quite live up to you know, the people that have been talking about the story who read it back then, who, you know, like this was everything for them. And, you know, it's it's still a good book and I still like would recommend it. But I've read better Star Wars books, I think. And I, I think, think there that... is definitely some nostalgia tinted glasses to it. Yeah. I think it is still an essential Star Wars book. Um, absolutely. But I think the further that we go with canon storytelling, the less essential it yeah. is going to become. Yeah, I would say... St- no, go ahead, Jacob. I was like, I still think, it, yeah, I would still agree it's essential, one, because it is still a very good book and a very good set of books. But two, yeah, just I think, you know, from the historical perspective, it's worth reading. Yes. Yes, it's almost going to become an historical artifact or curiosity <laughs> yeah. versus an essential read. No, that's that's exactly how I see it. It's It's essential if you're curious about the origins of, like, what it was to expand Star Wars. But essential reading in terms of like kind of just knowing everything about Star Wars, I wouldn't put it there at all at this point because like I don't, it does, I don't know. It, it, there's a lot of other books that you've brought to light in our podcast, Rev, where you can still sort of like, oh yeah, that's a really good way to like interpret um, or or help understand the current things that we're we're seeing in in star wars yeah or even just sort of like oh that's a you know that easter egg to this like then yeah that's a really cool one 
for 30 years later for these th- this trilogy, I'm like, if you don't read it, I don't think you're missing out on anything other than curiosity about what it was like. Whereas there's other books that I think do help expand your enjoyment of some things that, you know, maybe that will change now. Yeah, when, and that's when, fair when, enough. Whenever you know, it gets introduced. And arguably, well, not even arguably, pretty much definitively, the canon throne books are a better introduction to yeah. the character. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, because you have that reintroduction to Thrawn, and then you have the Ascendancy books that give you, a, you know, a background on on the Chiss, then the idea behind the Heir to the Empire trilogy, it's yeah, it's becoming a little more obsolete. Other than for those people that want to know how Star Wars got where it is right now, and or yeah. how it got out of the dark times and such. I think it'll be interesting revisiting this kind of conversation in like a year from now after we get some, mm-hmm. you know, Ahsoka and Mandalorian season three. Because I think, yeah, having read these books now, I think the characterization of Thrawn in Rebels is like, like Jose said, he's a lot more of a straight villain in that. I think he's way more similar to the heir to the Empire character than he is, you know, in versus the like canon novels. So I, I, it'll be interesting seeing what parts of heir, the heir to the Empire Thrawn kind of make its way into live action yeah no, that, and yeah i think that's fair and i think um i think we're gonna see what i think we're gonna see as well is thrawn set up the next phase to use a mcu yeah, yeah. i think we're gonna see the introduction of thrawn set up the next phase of whatever yeah. Star Wars is going to take us. If I have to see yeah. one more poorly photoshopped Heir to the Empire fan poster <laughs> on Twitter, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> oh, I will send you something later uh, after we're done here, uh, Jacob. But I found oh, this We went fake. on a big rabbit hole before oh, we started recording. No, someone... Cause, so, for... Yeah, maybe this is a... Hey, it... That shit <laughs> moment of like that shit book of the week or whatever, Trev. Um, so or moment of knowledge segment. So um, apparently there was a talk back in the day about creating a soundtrack or score to this trilogy of books, mm-hmm. right? And they had brought in the guy that ended up doing the soundtrack to Shadows of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So they brought. There was a whole discussion about this, and I'm like, "Oh wait, I once I was never published," and I was like, "I wonder if it exists somewhere online." Have you? Did you know about this, Jacob? I, so I know about. I didn't know about this. I know about the Shadows of the Empire yeah. soundtrack. Like I have that on vinyl, and it's like it's actually. Like, oh, did you? It's pretty good. Like you know, it's not Star Warsy, but it's like just a yeah. good like, you know, symphony like type scoring. Yeah. So they have brought, or they had that that guy supposedly who were talking to him to to compose this, and then I found this place, this 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 link online on this to this SoundCloud page that supposedly has the score huh. for this. Because then I found a track listing, and then I found this, and I'm like, holy, God. that's like <laughs> what? Um, and I wanted to bring it up, and then I I tell Trev, I'm like, hey, I think that this might exist, and then we dug deeper into it right before recording, and we found this whole other, yeah, this is a rabbit hole that Trev mentioned, but then we found that this was the score to some, like, quote-unquote, like, movie of episode seven directed by 
James, James Cameron. Cameron. <laughs> what in the world is going on? And then you like listen this, to the, the music and it's just like, yeah, what it's like it's, it's like MIDI, uh, like, you know, uh-huh. dot M-I-D-I like 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 music. Game. So I'm actually kind of, I mean, I just kind of listened to a few of the tracks and I'm like, I mean, you know, I could see it being a thing in the 90s that this was what they were going for, perhaps. <laughs> but to, then bearing to... in mind, they did a whole actual orchestral soundtrack called yeah. Shadows of the Empire. Yeah. As soon as I started yeah. listening, I was like, this yeah. is garbage. Yeah. But then I but... had to prove it was garbage. Yeah, I know. So I, I, I did f- end up finding Trev, like, the person who composed it. Yeah. And it's like, but, there, but there's there's poster art for for this episode seven, directed by James Cameron. There's there's a, there's artwork for this album. Um and you know, I was just like, "Wait, hold on! Did this actually sort of exist, or did I just somehow get into like the internet pages of some alternate <laughs> like universe where D- James Cameron did direct a Star Wars, <laughs> and they had a really bad score with like meaty like music?" So um, yeah, that exists, folks. So if you're interested <laughs> in some batshit crazy stuff, there you go. I think that qualifies, Trev. <laughs> so batshit crazy fake soundtrack of a week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, you know, we've been on for about an hour and a half now, so it's a little bit of a long episode for us, <laughs> Trev. So maybe we should finish this segment too. Yes, we and, should finish uh, this segment and yeah. tell you what, radical idea. Should we go on to the next segment, Jose? Yes, let's go to the next segment. Uh, well, yeah, this is the outro segment. So, um, yeah, if if for some reason you listeners haven't yet, please make sure to join our Discord where we have a very active community there sharing their thoughts on the latest episode of whatever show on Disney+, Plus, reading along to the newest book release, selling their books and collectibles, and sharing their artwork and fanfic. Most importantly, that is where you can get the latest news and discuss anything Star Wars archives. If you have not joined, just head on over to utina.com slash discord and click the join now button on that page. Um, and of course, I really want to thank you, um, Jacob, for coming in. So, Jacob, uh, where can people find you? Would you? Anything you want to plug? Go for it. Yeah, uh, you can find me uh, in the Utini Discord a lot, uh, usually in the Star Wars Comics channel or Star Wars Collections, because I have a problem with spending money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't like we all. most people do in that Discord. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you can also find me on Twitter. On I found out how to pronounce my Twitter username for the first time today. Um, so it's Jacob, and then the uh, bounty hunter from the bounty hunter Leia dresses up as in Return of the Jedi. I always thought it was Bausch. It's apparently Boosh. 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 Yeah, so Jacob so Jacob Boosh on Twitter is my okay. handle. So there you go. Fantastic. Trav, what about you? Uh, so we are at SW Archives Pod and I am at Davy Todd on Twitter. All right. Or um... Reddit or Discord. Same thing. <laughs> And I am the Joxie on on Twitter, and I'm also around on the Discords every now and then. So please send us a shout out if you want. Let's say hello to Jacob and thank him for joining us today as well. Because um, yeah, this was great. Um, thank you, Trev, for prompt. You know, basically trying to moderate this <laughs> this episode. Uh, thank you to all of our patron members for supporting us, making this show possible, and thank you, listeners, for continuing to hear us talk about anything and everything Star Wars. And with that, I can now say, Radio out. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This 
Star Wars fan code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you.